0: Okay, we're not movie makers. We don't have budgets and and film crews, but we can do all of those things on a smaller level. And Instagram has given us all the tools to do that, including the music feature, which is super cool.
1: And it's better dried. Some people get it like a little bit more of a medium, like a, like a, has more moisture to it. Don't do that. Get it more where it's more crumbly.
0: Okay. When is the cheese podcast coming out? <laughs> a I podcast
1: didn't... for cheese heads.
0: Yeah. I didn't know you were such a cheese expert.
1: I think when I put this out on Twitter originally, and I got some hate, which you know me, not thrilled about it. But um, Oh,
0: you knew what you were doing.
1: They're all things that we can draw inspiration from and then be able to kind of not steal necessarily but apply that concept, that conceptual inspiration to, to our content.
0: So find your gobble gobble. Hi, I'm Michelle, an entrepreneur and creative business coach.
1: Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a social media and digital content strategist.
0: We're friends with a shared passion for creativity in all its forms.
1: Through this podcast, you'll find ideas to help up your game and share experiences with a community of creatives who understand what it's like to work and create in a digital world.
0: If the episode you're about to hear sparks something inside you, share your voice by connecting with us on social media at pod for creatives on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. So, since we last recorded, you took on a new position. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yes, this is. Uh...
0: You're not working right now. So, that gives <laughs> a little bit of a hint as to what this is about.
1: I am not working right now. Uh, and thank God for that because um, being a dad is a very uh, new and exciting and taxing um, responsibility. My wife and I welcomed our first child on uh, November 3rd. Uh, Ryan Matthew. And um, he's perfect. He is um, a beautiful, healthy little boy. Definitely evokes feelings that I don't think I ever could have imagined. And now that they're here, I can't imagine not having them. And um, it's just great. He's wonderful. And we couldn't be happier.
0: Yay. Well, (laughs) we're all so happy for you, too. I'm going to speak on behalf of the audience. And I should probably also take this opportunity to apologize for texting you while Rachel was in labor and asking me <laughs> to post something.
1: <laughs> you know, you're not. The funny thing is, like, there's there's people from work who have been like reaching out while I've been out because I've taken a little bit of a paternity leave of sorts, and they're all like, "Sorry to bother you," but sorry to bother, and and like, you, like you don't re- like not being at work gives you a whole different appreciation for like the stuff you're dealing with because when I'm there and those questions kind of come in, it's more hectic for me to answer them actually when I'm there than when I'm like home and, and, and you get something, you're like, huh, this is funny or Huh? This is an interesting <laughs> little conundrum or, um, but it's um, no
0: longer a fire drill. Cause it's not right. really like anything you're doing at this point is like extra. Like you're looking really good by like stepping in and saving the day when you're supposed to be out of reach.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the, that's kind of the idea. Um, yeah. So they've been, it's very similar. So no, don't feel badly about that. And thank you for carrying my weight for the last, uh, last 10 days or so since, I mean, I know when, when the recording date comes out it, or the release date of this episode comes out, it'll be a little longer, but picked up my slack while uh, we were kind of uh, adjusting into a uh, home life with a baby. So yeah. no, thank you for that. Keeping everything going and doing an awesome job and as always. And yeah, great stuff.
0: Thanks. Tried. I mean, I didn't keep up quite with the schedule that you would have kept up, but we uh, we did a little project while you were <laughs> on podcast leave that I thought I would sh- I should announce because it relates to episode twenty three, which was our last episode uh, where we started off by um, just recapping our meet up after not seeing each other for 14 years, talked about the coffee shop that we went to, and then just sprung into a little bit of a conversation about my love of coffee shops, really, and how cool it can be for creative people, how it can spark ideas and be inspiring. So uh, we put together a little bit of a group project where we tapped into our audience. We asked you guys what your favorite coffee shops were in your either in your home cities or cities that you visited and we compiled it all into one master list that you can now find on the blog. Um, It's apodcastforcreatives.com which is not something that we plug very often but that's where we keep our show notes. Um, If you're ever curious about things that we mentioned during the episode and you don't feel like googling it that's where you can find everything.
1: You want to see the one headshot I have? That's where it's located.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about your school picture. I should probably yeah. update that. That's right. To your That was
1: like the that was the only one that we didn't want to use as like photographs on our Instagram accounts or for like stories or whatever it was because like, I mean, who's going to want to interact with a headshot? But yeah, not yeah. me. No, that's for sure.
0: But yeah, I feel like our our website in general is due for a little bit of a facelift, especially since <laughs> if you guys tried to access our website Probably like any time over the last two weeks and we were not able to get on, uh, that was our bad. <laughs> we let our uh, our hosting lapse and didn't realize that Bluehost was trying very hard to alert us to the fact that this expiration date was approaching.
1: <laughs> Which is funny because like even though we're not checking that account, like we do use it for the YouTube pieces of everything when we post, you know, um, PFC pre-pod or PFC post-pod content and so we were in the account to some extent, but definitely Just not on top of it.
0: Reading the emails that were coming right, in.
1: Right, right, exactly.
0: All of this to say though, if you guys want to email us at any time, what's our email address? <laughs> I think it's I think it's
1: podcast for creatives at gmail dot com. We could put that in the show notes. Too. Sure.
0: It's also in our Instagram profile. Right. Or message us on Instagram if you want to get in touch with us <laughs> more quickly. Yeah. Uh, but Steve mentions a new thing that we're trying, which is pre-pod and postpod. We've yeah. started uh, video recording our recording sessions. Actually, we've always been recording them, but we're ready to show it to you guys, show it to the public. So uh, Steve put together a couple little videos from our last episode, um, which are just conversations that we have before we hit the official record button and some conversations that we have after we record, (laughs) um, which you guys may or may not find more entertaining than the episode itself. So you can look for those. Where are we we sharing those?
1: You get those on YouTube. We also throw them on on our Facebook um, account. So definitely some, uh, I like to call it good foot in the door content for people who were trying to... Recruit and find and get a better idea of who we are. But certainly, those guys who listen to this podcast regularly, that's just an added bonus. So,
0: yeah, I I mean, for shows that I listen to, I mean, I wish that more people would do stuff like this because a lot of times, I mean, I feel like I have a pretty good imagination. I'm a creative person, but you know, there's something to be said about getting to see a person's face, the expressions that they're making. And sometimes there are things that go on while we're recording where we're like, laughing and we're an, we're not on the mic and you you know would miss that unless you had a visual with it so yeah <laughs> and for those of you who are never go to watch this I'll just describe our settings right now I took the time this afternoon to set up a very nice looking set which includes twinkle lights and <laughs> um a, a typewriter and a little plant and a poster. So I have a, a nice appealing background. Meanwhile, Steve is really hoping that we can green screen something into his background because it's just a completely blank wall.
1: Isn't that fitting, though, for our personalities? Like you have all like, totally.
0: the,
1: you know, the, the, the holiday lights and, you know, the design elements. And I'm just a gray wall. <laughs> like, I showed up. Yeah. What do
0: you want from me? <laughs> I'm
1: like I'm like the Eeyore of this relationship. Yes, for sure. <laughs> you're much more tigger than I am.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I don't know if I have that energy level, but
1: I think you do. I just think you like to mask it as uh, really? as like this like, like as in like this like cocoon of like coolness. But oh, you think no, I? Cool. I think it's I, well. I, I, no, I didn't say I think you're cool. I said I think you mask it in a cocoon of coolness. <laughs> But I do think you have much more eagerness and, and excitement about things than than I do. So.
0: I do. I, I I mean, compared to you, I definitely have like a different <laughs> kind of excitement level. But I feel like compared to most people, I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like I have the physical energy of most people. I mean, I, I my tendency is I just like to like stay still and stay quiet and not really mm-hmm. move unless I have to.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good plan. That's like usually like my game plan for. Most anything. If I have to go somewhere, fine, but I'm not putting out while I'm there. Like I'm just gonna <laughs> find my business and you know, you wanna come over and say hello, that's fine, but I'm not going out of my way.
0: Can we backtrack to your dad visiting? Sure. Can we talk about this cheese situation? The cheese yeah. the cheese pole?
1: The cheese pole. Where Yeah, did... oh the pole. Yeah, okay, sure. P O L L. Yeah. Okay.
0: No, I. You don't have a poll made of cheese that I know of.
1: No, but it took me a second to, to to catch up, but I'm back now. Go ahead.
0: Um, where did this this come from? And if you guys want to find the original source, you posted this on your personal Twitter account over the weekend.
1: Yes. Yes. At, at the
0: Steve King on Twitter.
1: Yes. Um, this was just more of a conversation about. Um, if you could only have one cheese type of cheese for the rest of your life, what cheese are you going for now? What was discussed was, um, what was discussed was cheddar Swiss, Asiago and Manchego. Those are the four choices. Now, I think when I put this out on Twitter originally, And I got some hate, which you know me, not thrilled about it, but, um,
0: you knew what you were doing.
1: Well, I I think it was misinterpreted. (laughs) I think my, I I think it was misinterpreted because see the, the decision was not like, how could you leave off this type of cheese as in like, we're ranking the best cheeses ever. Mm -hmm. The conversation was if you had to have one for the rest of your life, you couldn't have any other except this one type of cheese, what are you going with? Because the debate is not, okay, I'm going to pick the greatest cheese in the world and that's what I'm having for the rest of my life. It's macro versus micro. It's, am I going with something that is more universal and something that I could tolerate for the rest of my life? Or am I saying I'm diving all in and I'm going with this one particular type of specialty cheese for the rest of my life? So, of the choices, we listed the four choices that are the four things that we came up with, but the prompt was please add your own to the list of cheeses. No, of
0: I mean, well, I, just I think, sent you like a nasty
1: text about it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's my point. Like so many people were just like, how could you have just these four and, you know, you, you're you leaving off these other ones and it's just like, this was ours. You can leave yours. Like this is what was interesting about this conversation. Where do you fall on the cheese palette? And there was some some hatred towards this whole thing. Now, of the choices that we had, cheddar won on a landslide, which I understand that it's a very generic cheese and that's kind of the whole debate. Are you going with something generic or are you going with something more fine? But I was a little surprised by that we're going to turn the tables here. I was a little surprised by your answer. Not so not so much by maybe like okay, you went with mozzarella. Yes. Um which a, a totally fine answer, but then when I kind of peel back the layer uh, of the onion if you will, <laughs> I realized that that's really like as far as your cheese palate kind of goes. You don't you don't really go much deeper than just that.
0: Yeah. I'm uh, pretty much, I will eat mozzarella, which I really adore (laughs) cheddar American. Oh God. And like, you could maybe stretch me to like Swiss, but I don't really like it, but anything beyond that, mm, it it would have to be like a variation. Like, so like Asiago Mm. is, is in kind of like the Parmesan cheese family. Is that right?
1: yeah yeah okay. I, I would say it's more of a it's and it's better dried some people get it like a little bit more of a medium like a like a, has more moisture to it don't do that get it more <laughs> where it's more crumbly
0: okay when is the cheese podcast coming out <laughs> a I podcast
1: for cheese heads
0: yeah i didn't know you're such a cheese expert but yeah. <laughs> yeah i uh anything like cow's milk you can probably talk me into any of them beyond that any kind of goat's milk cheese like manchego has goat something in it or sheep something in it and I don't like it for sure that was the only one that was like of the list like keep that far away from me um but yeah it's annoying it's one of those things that I wish that I loved I keep trying to eat them but it's like I really really dislike most cheeses.
1: there were a lot of people on who, who replied to that tweet who were just like how could you leave goat cheese off or how could you leave Brie off or how could you leave? uh, I don't know. There was some, something else on there. And like, I I wasn't leaving anything off. It's completely your, your reply to this. But I'm, I'm, I like, there's a part of me, like I, I, I have to say, like, I feel like on the scale of like conservative to liberal when it comes to like how the kind of cheese that you're having for the rest of your life, the only cheese and, you know, I feel like my answer is Asiago. Uh, it's probably like on the on that, on that scale, it's probably like a third of the way going towards liberal, but much more on the conservative side of things. It is. I can do that. Cheddar, I feel like, is much more on the conservative side. Swiss is much more on the conservative side. Manchego is probably a little bit further down the line. But like if you're going whole hog with brie for the rest of your life or goat cheese for the rest yeah. of your life or blue cheese for the rest of your life, like – yeah, I, I, you that know, That
0: says something about you as a person.
1: I, I think feel that, like that's what
0: you were trying to get at.
1: Yeah, I feel like you're showing off unnecessarily. So, like, so
0: you expected me to be more in that camp to pick something of I that caliber. You,
1: I expected you to just be like, "I'm picking mozzarella because I like it," but here are all these other cheeses I like too. Oh
0: no! And not it was at all.
1: just like, and it was just, I like mozzarella, and that's it. <laughs> period. <laughs> just ended the sentence. Yeah left me wanting more yeah yeah so that was that was uh that was the great cheese debate um which is an interesting topic it's you know it's uh,
0: I like what you do with it I like the little like the thought behind it even though it sounds like most people didn't really get what you were trying to do right do you have things like how I am with cheese that you really wish that you liked but you don't
1: um beer yeah. believe it or not. Um, I, I don't, when I say I wish I like it, it's not like I wish I had like a drinking problem. Um, I have a lot of friends who are very into craft beers and for a while I started going down that path. Um, but I, there's just something that made me go like, this stuff is horrible. Like it mm-hmm. just tastes horrible. And, it just wasn't like enjoyable to have that with food. Like people you know, will will you know have a certain type of sandwich and this type of beer, and it's just like it doesn't matter. It tastes horrible. Um, I wish I was a little bit more of a connoisseur when it comes to beers. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm much more comfortable when it comes to wine, um, certainly, but not not beer. I think that's something that I wish I was a little bit more in tune with because it seems like that's where society has headed over yeah, the course of the for less like,
0: social reasons
1: right right and, and, I, and I am I, with
0: cheese like i go out to dinner with like friends and they order the cheese platter and i'm just like i'll just have the bread <laughs> and i'm okay with it i'm like please don't not order because of me but like extra for you
1: yeah no it's it's i'm i'm kind of the same way i am if you open up my fridge, I have beer in my fridge, but they're all Miller Lights. It's just a six-pack of Miller Light, and if I feel like having one on a Sunday, yeah, very much so. <laughs> if you feel like having one on a Sunday during the game, I'll do it. But, yeah, it's not it's not often. I'm much more likely to grab a bottle of wine and, and have a glass or two of wine while I'm cooking or during dinner than I am to open up a bottle of beer.
0: Or with your cheese.
1: Yeah, well, it's much better with wine, so – but you're more of a wine drinker, right? I mean, or you're more of like a Prosecco or, yeah. or Champagne. You're more of a Champagne. Yes. Uh, okay.
0: I do. Uh, I really enjoy red wine with food, but I will rarely drink it just like by itself. And if I do, it's like one and done. And not that I like get drunk from it, but I don't know. It's maybe it's like just heavier or something. And I, I feel like I can't drink beyond that, but
1: one of the first times Rachel was with, um, my family that we were having dinner. Um, I think we were having macaroni or something like that. And, um, my dad was explaining like, you know, he, he we had, everybody had a glass of red wine and my dad was like, it, it pairs really well with a red sauce. Like, you know, you, you know, it brings oh, out whoa, whoa, whoa. certain flavors wait, wait, and
0: pause. You just yes, said something yes, extremely, because I'm try- extremely alarming. You said that your dad referred to what you were having with your pasta, macaroni. Oh, is this another thing that you do? That I don't <laughs> it's, even... mac-
1: it's macaroni and gravy. I was just using red sauce as a generic term. Let's just keep moving on here. Um, um...
0: <laughs> I don't think so because for as long as I've known you, you have very indignantly called sauce, which is what it is, gravy. gravy. When in fact gravy is what you put on meat, not on it, it is
1: what you put on meat. It is also it is also what you put on macaroni. Especially if you're cooking the meat in the actual sauce, it becomes a gravy. If, so there all you right. go.
0: If there's no meat in it though, then is it sauce?
1: I well you could yeah, I mean like what what if you what if you did it as a um what's that what's that um
0: well, it's just like tomato sauce.
1: Like a marinara sauce yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. okay, fine.
0: Then that anyway, can
1: sauce. Anyway.
0: Okay, anyway. I mean, that, that, this has been like a point of contention you for just like ruined 15 years. I had, I had to, a, I had had to a, pause this.
1: Yes, well, it's still macaroni and gravy, but you <laughs> took away a very good, a funny story that I was going to tell. Um, no, but it was just about the pairing of the food, so Rachel was like eating the food and trying to get the wine in at the same time to like bring out these flavors <laughs> she's just like I'm not getting it what am I supposed to be getting I'm like well no it's not the, it's not like you're like you're not like mixing it together and like getting this like whole concoction like it's just complements it it brings out you know it's like putting hot sauce on a pizza like it's not the best combination but it certainly brings out certain flavors of things And yeah so Anyway, sorry for that interrupting was, uh, your story. No, that's fine. You had to go there. You knew what it, you knew what the answer was going to be.
0: I've just never heard you refer to it as sauce like you've been well, so stubborn about it.
1: Well, it's something that I think pairs well with the story. Like if I said gravy, people would have been like, wait, is he talking about turkeys? And I get exactly. that. exactly. OK, but I'm but how <laughs> you know, I don't explain things or try to do certain things for other people. It's for me. So when I call it gravy, it's for me. And macaroni, it's for me. And, you know.
0: Okay, well, enjoy your gravy and macaroni.
1: Thank you. I'm making some this weekend, actually. I'll Instagram story it, which is a great segue (laughs) into the topic of our show for this new episode.
0: Oh, I'm really, really excited about this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, A couple of days ago, I came across a... Study that uh, Buffer released, and basically they uh, partnered with this company called Delmondo, um, and some of you may be familiar with them. They were kind of one of the early adopters of analytics for Instagram, and since they've been working with a bunch of companies over the years through Instagram, now they have access to all of this awesome data. So Buffer and Delmondo partnered up to do this study, and they analyzed somewhere around 15,000 Instagram stories of of some of the world's top um, brands. And they uh, delivered this, this these findings um, that were kind of eye-opening. And Michelle and I looked at this earlier in in the week, and we were kind of going back and forth about some of the the key findings in there. And we haven't done a lot of shows. A lot of our episodes really aren't necessarily about tactic or tactical-driven stuff. It's really more about conceptual and the planning and, and, and the process. Um, but we thought it would be kind of interesting to do a, uh, an episode on – Instagram stories about an actual tactic that most of you, if you're running your own business, or even if you're just using it from a personal standpoint, are likely using Instagram stories regularly. Uh, so we thought this would be a good time to kind of, um, look at this study a little bit, parse apart some of the findings in there, not necessarily go against the grain or anything like that. Cause there wasn't anything that really stood out to me. Like I was just like, I disagree with that completely, but I do think there's some debate that we can kind of have around some of the findings and, and kind of go from there.
0: Sure. All right. So the first part dives into the optimal posting length. And this is in regards to not when you go to press the record button, how many seconds it is, but how many segments that make up one continuous section. And what they have found is that one to seven stories is the optimal posting length. However, that there's a very little difference in completion rate between two and 20 frames as there is between one and seven. There's a lot of numbers there.
1: There are. <laughs> there are. And let's go back then, I think, because the, the whole one to seven stories is the optimal posting length. Like, I tend to agree with that. I don't, if, if I click on somebody's story. And whether it's somebody I know really well or not, if I see, you know, a lot of little dashes at the top (laughs) of the story, I'm I'm not I'm not going through that. Like, that's a lot of effort. But what's interesting to me is, is that I think people follow accounts for different reasons. You know, if your whole hog inspired by a Gary Vaynerchuk um, or some other type of personality or somebody who's a thought leader, you might be more apt to stick with them through 15, 18, 20, you know, stories, um, if you're a casual observer, uh, and we certainly, you know, there are some people on our Instagram account when we look at the numbers who I think would fall into the casual observer category, um, they're not going to stick with us unless there's a reason to kind of stick with that. And we can kind of get into that as the show sort of evolves, but, um, I'm more likely to stick with something at least at the start, the smell test, if you will, if, if I open it up and it's in that, that hot, you know, one to seven, probably on the lesser end of that, but one to seven range. You?
0: I agree. But I think that there's definitely something to be said about the super fan, which we talked about in episode 22 in that they're definitely like you, they're people I follow who it doesn't matter how long their story is. I will likely see it through the end, even if, you know, sometimes it's like, 30. Like there are there are a few fashion bloggers I follow who do these um, like try-ons where they'll like go to a, a dressing room and try on like a bunch of outfits and those stories tend to be super long and I think that maybe this is just a little OCD that I have, but I I also just like finishing the story even if it means I just have to like tap through for it to like complete.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just, just to get to the end game of it all?
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I like, I think because I don't want to go back later and then click on their story again and be like, oh, they're still trying clothes on from this thing that like I don't really want to see anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It can kind of be like a psych out thing. So maybe it's not OCD. Maybe it's more about that. But I I don't know. In in thinking about the super fan, I almost want to like throw this tip out the window because you know if someone really cares about what you're saying make it as as long as you think it should be. I mean, I totally get brevity and that, you know, there can be a certain entertainment factor that should be taken into account when you're creating stories. Like you don't want to bore, you don't want to turn off your super fans. So maybe, you know, within reason, but in my opinion, I think your story should be as long as it takes to tell it uh, concisely.
1: I would agree. And I but I also think it also depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Right. So like if your goal, honestly, if your goal is to reach your super fans or you're only looking to talk to the people who are the ones engaging with you regularly, then, yeah, I could see those people kind of hanging on your every word obviously you want to give them a reason to stick with you but there's also the other piece of this which is like what if you're looking to try to grow an audience and you're looking to try to kind of expand a little bit you're not likely to to take the same tact or maybe you would but you're not likely to be able to do both and have the same kind of response rate
0: that's an excellent point and i was like starting to think about that and i was going to come back and say hey eh, i'm going to backtrack on that because if you're just starting there is no super fan. Right. So, I think right. in those instances you haven't you haven't earned the attention yet to go 20 stories or more and expect people to stick around. Like if you're going right. to do it, like just don't feel bad about it, but I think brevity becomes even more important in those growing stages. Keep it just to the most important and most engaging, I would probably say engaging is probably more important than the content itself, like the the importance of the content.
1: I would agree. Um, and I think it's also something where um, they kind of get into this later in the study, but I, 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 it's inevitable to talk about it right now. It's also about grabbing somebody's attention immediately. Um, you know, how often does it, do you open up a story from somebody and it's, um, you know, Hey, good morning. I hope you had a great night. And it's like you're like you're 10 seconds into the thing before it's just like you get to the point. And, you know, it's hard, I think, to to jump right into something because think about the way we've been trained as at, probably as writers, you know, from when we went to school, you know, everything has a beginning and a middle and an end. So how do a lot of brands, I mean, and a lot of small businesses and companies do their stories if they're not proficient, if they're not investing in this area. A lot of it is that kind of like introduction. Ask how somebody's morning is. Hope this is going great. They said the other thing. So let me tell you what I'm doing today. And by the time you get to the meat of it, sometimes you're three, four stories in. Well, if you're going by the scale from buffer, you only got two more to play with before people start paying attention. So it's, you know, you really kind of have to be on the ball and be on top of things and and get to the point and realize that these people are following you. They want to follow you. It's not like you want to take it for granted, but I don't think you have to go through the effort of you know, the same morning routine every day before you actually get to the meat of your your story.
0: Mm-hmm. I would definitely agree with that. And you're saying that, and I feel like that's personally something that I need to work on. I've been trying to, but I've, what I've been trying to do is like, I haven't been able to drop the just jumping in and not saying, hey guys, or like, hope you're having a good day, some kind of greeting, but keeping it short enough that I can include other information in that same 15 second slot. Right, like the the welcome doesn't need its own slide.
1: Right, do we call and them think,
0: slides? Frame.
1: I call them a story. Like uh, stories is a plural thing, and a story. But frame, okay. they've been you know the study used the term frame, so I okay. think frame is fine.
0: Okay, so the second one is the best time to post Instagram stories is outside of work hours. This is the one that I uh, disagreed with probably the most. And this is only because it has come to my attention that my personal audience, my Michelle Hickey design audience, but I think our podcast audience, too, is worldwide. So to make this sweeping statement like they they're talking about posting during outside of U.S. working hours, specifically the Eastern time zone. I mean, that's making a pretty big jump that a majority of your audience falls into that time zone and and if you can look at your data and see that then by all means follow it but if you know that your fans are coming from all over the world then i don't know that this really holds up
1: right and i and i think that's part of what you start to kind of see where the spikes come in as you're looking at the stories and how they're doing like i i know when we post things in the afternoon um sometimes you know anytime afternoon, you know between noon and four and I check the analytics as we go on the stories like you don't see the engagement rate and i'm and I'm when I say engagement, you don't see the interaction on the story nearly as much as as I feel like we do when it's up in the evening. I, the reason why I like for for the podcast account at the very least posting stories in more of the evening hours is you're capitalizing on those two peak times so like if we posted something around like um you know, 8 o'clock at night, you know, 9 o'clock at night, you're still capturing, you know, that crowd, you're capturing the morning crowd, and then you're getting it again around the back end of it at that same window. Um, and I feel like those stories and those happen to actually be a lot of our, 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 when we're releasing a podcast, because we do make those announcements at 9 o'clock at night. We tend to see, you know, the, the numbers work a little bit better for us at that point in time. Um, but you know, you make a good point. Like, if you have an audience around the world, they're all accessing these at different times, and you know, it's not like you can stagger or anything like that. You know, so I I tend to agree with you about, about that. Like, I think it works to some extent for for our content, but you know, if you're a big brand, you know, it really kind of depends on who you're trying to hit.
0: Yeah, I wonder if in the future they will ever like social media platforms will ever have the option of rolling out the content for a specific time so let's say for us it's 9 p.m eastern but that would be 9 p.m in in everyone else's time zone like they would kind of like hold it until they reach that point
1: that would be an interesting kind of an update that i think that they could you know i don't know if it would ever be something that they could do but that's what i'm getting at with the staggering piece of it like you know, if you could stagger the release based on time zone and, and I mean, that would be ideal. Um, and I know you could probably do, I mean, you can't really do that on Facebook, but I mean, you could schedule things, but it certainly depends. I mean, not everybody's looking to reach an audience around the world, you know, but it's, I I guess it would certainly depend on what you would try to do and how you would want to use that.
0: that will be interesting if maybe something like that comes to be, it doesn't seem like it's like that far out there of an idea.
1: Yeah. I mean like part of the, the the whole the whole blog talked about like the one hypothesis for the finding about the times to post outside of work is that people have more time to watch these Instagram stories before work or during their lunch break or in the evenings and after work. And the funny thing is like that was kind of the old school mentality with scheduling for for Facebook, um, especially in in, in our in my industry with schools, like we've talked about this a few times on the podcast, but more often than not, when we look at the analytics on our school district accounts, the times that our audiences are most active typically are either at 6 a.m. when everybody, when the parents are up and they're kind of scrolling through their phones before they gotta get moving, or anywhere between eight and nine o'clock at night when they've had a chance to put their kids down or their kids are, are you know, done with school related activities and the parents can actually, if they can possibly do this, sit down for the first time. So we talk with our people about like, hey, if you got a killer piece of content, like that's the time you really want to start scheduling it is in those those evening hours. Um, I find like with Instagram, because it's so quick especially stories, because it's so quick and it doesn't involve a lot of my time commitment to following it. I'm more apt to look at that more consistently throughout the day because I can see you posted something from your MHD account and say, I can kind of go through this and see what she's up to and what's going on. And Mm -hmm. it's not going to take me much time to do that. Um, I think more so like with with Facebook content or you know stuff like that where it's revol- involves a time commitment to either click something or to watch a longer video or whatever it is. That's where that kind of comes more into play. So, I mean, I get the conceptually, I get it, but I think because the content is so bite-sized and you can consume it so quickly, and it and and you know nowadays looking at your phone is so commonplace that. You know, nobody knows if you're looking at an Instagram story or checking your calendar. Um, It kind of has a different, you know, what you're going to retain is completely different, but it kind of has a different balance to it.
0: And also, so maybe based on what you're saying, our little antidote, antidote is that, what's the right word for like?
1: Antidote is like a cure for something. Anecdote is like a story. yes. yes.
0: Maybe our anecdote to this would be if you're putting something in your Instagram story that requires action to be taken whether it's you want someone to respond to you like through a direct message or if you have the swipe up feature you want someone to go click on something in your profile then maybe reserve those for those really early morning but I would even say like the later evening because if someone's just getting up and looking at their phone they're likely doing that as a you know just easing into the day or maybe like procrastinating a little bit getting ready but they're not going to want to like dive into a piece of content that's going to like take up a lot of their time, I don't think.
1: Right. So the third bullet point on Buffer's study is that more content leads to greater median reach and impressions. Another reason that Instagram Stories, according to their study, are such a powerful channel for brands is that the threshold for content consumption seems to be a little bit higher uh, than it is on other platforms. And their their rationale behind that is There's only so much space for consumption in the news feed, and we've kind of talked a little bit about this over the years, and I think we start to see this as consumers on social media. You tend to get a little bit overloaded sometimes by what what you see in your feed. In essence, that the more content that people and brands are posting, the less space there is for everyone else. Um, With stories disappearing after 24 hours, that makes a little bit more room, so to speak, for more fresh content to kind of be shown for your logo to appear at the top of the page. Your take on that.
0: This is probably true of all platforms, not just Instagram. Like, yes, the more you post, the more you put yourself out there, you are increasing your chances that someone's going to see it. However, I think there are boundaries that need to be kept. You have to respect your audience, which is something that we talk about all the time on the podcast. And yeah, I think the one thing that stories have going for it is that even if you post a really long story, say you post a really long story at nine o'clock in the morning and then someone doesn't watch the entire thing, say they watch you know three of the, of your ten um, stories, and then you post again at nine o'clock that night, you'll get bumped back up to the front of the feed. I do kind of like that because I feel like you're giving, the user or your follower, the opportunity to, to say, okay, like, I didn't really like what they were saying before, but if I like someone enough, I'll skip through it to get to the new section. Mm-hmm. Do you ever do that?
1: Yeah, I'll do that. You know what else I kind of like when we were talking about larger amounts of content? And, and I wonder if other people in our audience are like this, or if you're like this, is the variety within the story of the content. You know, if there's 10 frames of, um, one person talking and there's always that like half second pause before they start to talk because you don't want to get cut off by it so sometimes I find myself concentrating more on the pause than I actually do <laughs> of the, <course> <laughs> what do. they're saying um, but I like the, the breaking up of it so you know you get three or four of someone on camera talking about you know, maybe a project that they're working on or something that they want you as their audience member to take an initiative on. And then it kind of jumps to a static image or something that you can tell they put a lot of design thought into. Or in our case, sometimes we have a mixture of on-camera stuff and we have a mixture of still images. We have a mixture of um, snippets of audio from some of our latest uh, episodes of, of things that we think is relevant. So I like that because it makes it seem a little bit more complete Mm-hmm. Um, and a little bit more balanced than just 10 frames or you end the number in there uh, of someone talking and just kind of going on.
0: Yep. So as a general rule, if you're going to post often and you're going to post a lot, try to keep it as, as varied as possible.
1: Yeah. I mean, for, for me, from a someone who does this for a, you know for the podcast purposes, I don't really tend to do much video of myself on my personal Instagram account. I don't like I don't like it like it's just it's not me so when i do stuff like that i like having a little bit of balance in there to kind of break things up a little bit
0: do you not like it um when people do it on their personal channels period or you just don't like doing it on your personal channel
1: a little bit of both you know i mean i feel like if I, I don't get this I don't get the connection of doing it from person to person I mean I understand that we're in this sharing era and that's just the sharing age rather and that's just me you know it, it seems always a little off when it's a friend of mine using it to just like vent about a situation or um, you know talk about something that happened to them it, it sometimes it just seems out of place. It seems like that's more appropriate for companies and organizations and brands and businesses, and because there's more to it, you know. Usually, in in stories like that, there's usually some kind of call to to action or a call to engagement mm-hmm. at the end of it, and that they want you to take an action on. Usually, if a if a friend does it, it's just kind of like, you know, I, I'd equate it to somebody just like you know spilling a glass of milk in your kitchen and just being like well, all right, and then walking away and like, you're like, well, wait a second, clean up. The, what 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 are we doing with the milk here? Like, yeah. it, it, it has that feel to it to me. So I don't know. Do you feel the same way? I mean, you're certainly more camera friendly about these kind of things than, than I am.
0: Um, no, I kind of feel the same way, but I think it's that both of us are used to seeing we follow so many brands. We're probably more in tune to it than, than most people. I, and when I think about people I know in real life who don't have brands who do the talking to the camera, I don't mind it so much because of who the people are um, but I I guess I don't really see it happen too often again I I think it's really like the person it's and it's a personal thing it's your relationship to the person like there are obviously people in our lives that we're going to like tolerate more than I always give the example of like you know random person from high school that you haven't seen in 20 years if they start going in and talking about something we're likely not going to watch it and you know what that's kind of on us we should probably just not follow them instead of Continually watching the first story and being annoyed and and leaving.
1: I do think that (laughs) happens, though, because, you know, you start to kind of I mean, we've seen this through the election cycle of of, of 2016. If people are talking about things that annoy you or just don't meet your level of of interest, we might have been a little bit more okay with that in years past but now i feel like it's just it's such a fine line between like i'm muting this person or i'm snoozing them for 30 days or i'm unfollowing them completely because what value are they adding to my life i think that's the difference between brand and, and person the brand's responsibility is to add value to their audience's lives uh consistently on a consistent basis i don't think people think like that anybody can be a content creator today but not everyone has the ability to see the value that they're providing to the audience, and that's the difference to me between a brand and a person using stories and, and, or using any type of platform really to kind of talk about their day. It doesn't necessarily add any kind of value to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost like giving them a platform or giving them a, a weapon, if you will, that they don't completely know how to use.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think this kind of feeds in nicely to the next part of the, on the buffer, uh, survey here or or study rather, because one of the things that they came away with as a best practice for posting to Instagram stories was posting your best stories content first. They had a, um, in a 2018 benchmark study that they incorporated Del Mondo found that on average, more people exit on the first and last story frame than any other part of your stories. So that means that in essence, if your first story frame doesn't capture your audience's attention right off the bat, they're more likely to kind of move on and 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 look at something else. That's something that I find myself in the past. And I have to put more thought into it now when, when I'm doing things for for the podcast, figuring out.
0: It is kind of a weird thing that we have to train ourselves to not say, hi, how are you doing? When we're especially when we're showing our face and we respect and love our audiences of course we want to know how people are doing and we want to wish them a great day but like you said it's it's valuable real estate and at this point most people who are following us are catching us from that first story and they just they want to know how what we're sharing is going to affect their lives in a positive way and uh, when we were talking about this before i think i gave the analogy that when you're talking to someone that you speak to often on text message, you rarely will start that text with like, hey, how's your day going? And then like jump into your conversation. I mean, maybe with people that you don't speak with very often, but people you speak to on a daily basis, if you're going on Instagram stories on a daily basis, just hop in and say what you got to (laughs) say.
1: I'm pretty sure I just texted you this morning with like, like an an immediate ask and i was just like also hi how are you (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i think that's that's certainly a, a part of it they actually cited a few companies uh in this study buffer did that do a really good job in their estimation and just from an audience perspective i tend to agree um that do a really good job of hooking their audience right off the bat and the first one that they decided was airbnb um that took a um sample of four stories that they recently sent out and they did kind of a slow reveal uh throughout their instagram story in order to encourage uh their their audiences to kind of keep going on to the next uh frame only to reveal the whole idea is you know it's it's they're kind of teasing where uh a, a, a location uh in the world where They are at this point in time or where they're kind of showcasing at this point in time And the photo goes from really small and it gets a little bigger and a little bigger and then by the fourth one It says, you know, we're in Sydney, Australia, and it's this beautiful beachfront shot of uh, Sydney, so it kind of not only is eye appealing uh, and they do a nice simple job with uh, a lot of the text layout on the actual story but Because of the nature of the intrigue and the way the post is designed it encourages you to kind of want to tag along and ultimately get to the to the end point. So great photo, great experience uh, for the user in that story it wins all around.
0: So it's kind of like a, a riddle and they're giving you hints to keep you engaged. And then if you make it to the end, that's the payoff. Yeah. I love that. But how can we, how can we kind of replicate that experience without completely ripping off what Airbnb is doing? Not because... We shouldn't look at other people's examples and see how we can apply it. But I think for a lot of us doing something like that wouldn't necessarily fit.
1: Yeah, I think it also depends on what you're trying to do and what you what you want your audience to get out of this. I mean, obviously, if if it's me looking at the Airbnb thing, you know, maybe, you know, they have some some, you know, some great Airbnb locations in Sydney that they're aware of, that they want to encourage more people to kind of take a peek at, or or they want, um, you know, users of theirs are actually using uh, Instagram to kind of talk about where they are and that, that, that they're airbnb it. I don't know, um, but to me it always kind of comes down to what am I trying to communicate and who am I trying to communicate it to? And then that's where the kind of the creative juices sort of come into play. Uh, if is, there, is there a creative connection to what I want people to kind of take away this call to action so to speak out of this I, I never you know we talked about this in the very actually in the second episode we ever did about inspiration versus stealing uh, no that what, what we're talking about here um, in this study probably wouldn't work for you know the vast majority certainly in the same kind of setup for the vast majority of companies but I think we can all kind of in the way I was describing it, certainly if you look at the study and we'll have the link in the show notes, you can actually see the anticipation that's building as you're kind of, you know, as you're proceeding through the the story, that's something that is a feeling, that's an emotion. So however we're able to kind of replicate that through Instagram stories, through any type of content, I think that's always the ultimate goal is to kind of have that excitement or emotion connected to whatever it is we're trying to communicate.
0: I hope that people aren't going to get overwhelmed by me saying this, but we really need to treat these like we are filmmakers. Think about movies that you watch, the ups and downs, the emotions you feel, the different angles, the different shots. When you guys are watching movies or watching TV shows, just try to be a little bit more in tune to different shots that they're using, how music is incorporated in, because we now have the opportunity to do all of that okay, we're not movie makers, we don't have budgets and and film crews, but we can do all of those things on a smaller level. And Instagram has given us all the tools to do that, including the music feature, which is super cool.
1: Yeah, I love the paying attention to the experience factor when you're watching a piece of content. Even when you're in a location, I went to Trader Joe's um, a couple of weeks ago, which is completely not – like it's totally not my kind. I don't go to Trader Joe's very often. My sister was up for the weekend, um, so we went down there to pick up a couple of things. And uh, it's a little overwhelming because I, I, I was unaware. Apparently, most Trader Joe's are like not like big places. Like they're fairly small
0: Yeah, mine is very small, and I very much dislike like <sighs> going there because – I'm
1: so mad I can't even talk.
0: You no, know, it is it – is, um there's so many people all on top of each other and the spaces are really tiny and the aisles are really tiny and i just i always feel like this anyway when i'm in the supermarket but especially in trader joe's always feel like i'm in someone's way
1: yeah it's a it's the the parking lot was we got very lucky getting a spot but the parking lot was a zoo and we went on a saturday at like two in the afternoon so it wasn't it wasn't good planning on, on our part but however we went in there and when we were checking out um, you know my sister put her, her credit card in the chip reader and remember the old school you know the old days and this was like what a year ago of the chip reader where it was like it would just like incessantly like make this you know buzzing noise at you or something like that to take the card out and now yeah. they've a lot of places they've kind of switched over to these like chimes almost that makes it a little bit more bearable if Did you go to Target Did they do Did they find
0: that See, that was more effective?
1: But I find that actually to be like smart you know it's 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 you're paying money for something the last thing i want to do is get yelled at by a by a chip reader about like get my card out of this thing like my they don't want my money like it's much nicer we went a couple of days before or a week or so before thanksgiving to trader joe's in this one instance and the chip reader let out like a like a turkey gobble um <laughs> like a like a gobble gobble kind of noise when you, you know which i thought was just like i started laughing um when i heard it and i was saying to my sister I'm like see that's the stuff that like I love is like not only paying attention to the time of year and where people's minds are because they're obviously probably shopping for Thanksgiving, but like it adds a little bit of personality to the whole thing and you might be more likely to find yourself back at Trader Joe's because of experiences like that. So I agree with you about paying attention to certain things at movies or music or why certain filmmakers or directors or whatever are using certain elements. They're all things that we can draw inspiration from and then be able to kind of not steal necessarily, but apply that concept, that conceptual inspiration to, to our content.
0: So find your gobble gobble.
1: Yeah. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be on the cut in the beginning. If, 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 if that's not in the opening of, of this episode somewhere, (laughs) this has all been for nothing. (laughs) Um, so this is something that, uh, kind of continuing on with the episode here, um, in the study uh, one of the second uh, one of the other points that they found uh, with best practices for Instagram stories is posting consistently to stories um, they talk a little bit about in the study about how Instagram stories is one of the more engaging social channels available um, with completion rates above about above 50% um, but the best part is is that stories don't necessarily have to be complicated but having a presence regularly is something that is Probably in your best interest because I feel like with the amount of personalization that you can have with stories, that's your best chance to kind of start building that, that relationship and getting people to know who you are far beyond just what a static image or a video um, in the feed can provide your audience.
0: So showing up every day. Yeah. Something that neither one of us have been particularly great at lately, but Hol- it's the holidays. It's the holidays. And people have babies
1: yeah, <laughs> and how about projects. That? How about that? <laughs> other things going on? But, uh, you know, I don't necessarily think that as much as, as this has been a, a labor of love for the last year, I don't necessarily think that this is the driving force behind, you know, what we what we do. I think we aim to have a community of creatives, but, you know, I, I can see for other brands and, and, and organizations yeah, having a consistent presence regularly in front of your audience, like that's that's kind of a you know, that's an important deal. And and, you know, one of the things that they started talking about in the study was, you know, having a a simplistic look to and a recognizable look to your stories, which I think is something that you and I have worked um diligently at this year with, you know, kind of making sure that there's an an identity to our content. And I don't necessarily know if it's something that you know, and this is not to put that on anyone listening to this, but anyone actually pays attention to, but it's important for us to have that sort of recognizable look to our content when we, when we produce it.
0: I think that that's a sign of a good brand though, is sometimes the audience doesn't necessarily notice it every time, but if they saw something that was like in our colors or the fonts that we typically use, they might make that association without really having to think about it.
1: Yeah. So they highlight the North face in this study um, for their use of simple photos and text overlays to sort of reinforce their their brand using Instagram stories. Um, and it's kind of nice. It, it, it has a, a, you know, there's a background image in almost each of these photos um, that sort of tells you know the story of what it is of the you know, what the apparel that they're trying to sell um, It sort of it sort of sets the scene so you know in, in one of the stories there's you know there, there looks like they're selling rain gear So the background is kind of you know, there's somebody's two people are walking in a forest and it's obviously you know some some foul weather Um, there's a wool collection, uh, so obviously it looks a little bit more windy and the person's holding up the jacket right above their mouth level. So it looks like they're trying to stay insulated. There's a lot of different, you know, things that they can do, but by using, you know, images that are simple, that kind of tell a story, um, short copy, very little amount of text or the way the text is laid out, even though there might be some, uh, you know, a a moderate number of, of words on the screen. It's laid out in a very digestible manner. Um, and then minimal graphics or logos. Um, those were kind of the, the three elements of simplicity. Using a background image to tell a story quickly, adding short copy to convey your message, and then decorating with minimal graphics and logos. Um, that would be the definition of simplicity for Buffer here.
0: I have a love-hate relationship with this example. And again, you can find this Buffer article that we're referring to in our show notes. <laughs> Stories, still images don't completely do it for me I get it working within a sequence and maybe occasionally and I don't know if the North Face if this is like their entire strategy is that they're always putting up stories like this but I feel like that would lose my attention really quickly like there's no life in that yeah. I, that's that's for the feed for me that's not stories are a chance to be a little bit more expressive um like when I see that I don't feel that human connection I don't feel that doesn't move me at all
1: so what would be your look or your take rather on what simplicity would look like in stories then beyond this example
0: let's take the example that they're giving us I think just one little tweak would add a lot and that is keep everything as is but make all of those photos be boomerangs instead or or a, an image with like very little movement, but you still see something that moves. Yep. And I feel like that that would be beautiful, and that would be simple, and that would be making a statement.
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: Just a thought. I don't have all the answers. Again, this is if you're listening to this, it's it's likely that your brand has a different story, a different approach, and a different audience. So it's it's all about being creative.
1: Right. This is certainly more of a community look at, at kind of the, you know, the benefits and, and you know, pluses of, of stories in general. Um, the other point that they were also brought up was looking at your own data. And this is something that we probably have talked about uh, a ridiculous amount over the last year. Which is paying attention to your own stories data um, and keeping a close eye on the things that certain data points to ensure that you are improving. So things like completion rate and um, you know you know how, how many people are looking at it, who's looking at it, how long the stories ne- are, are are. Those were to me, I think there are there's certain data that you can get out of your out of your out of your business account. Those are things that I would necessarily I would look at your exit rate. Um, you know those are things that that, that buffer pulled out and I think it's important because you can kind of see where that cutoff point is where did you lose people? Why did you lose people? Were you rambling on about something? Was it something that might have necessarily missed what you were hoping it was going to do? Is it just not the right time for people? Um, Those are all important things to kind of keep an eye on. The data is always your friend.
0: Yeah I mean if North Face if you're listening like try out your still images and test them against the exact same slides but with some kind of movement in their live images yeah. and see if you notice a difference
1: one of the um other examples that they used uh to highlight instagram stories was warby parker uh to promote a lot of their their products and they they have a similar style of photo layout to uh the north face but the text on the photos actually it's it's one of the um pre uh, fonts or text font, mm-hmm, fonts in like. Instagram stories. Yeah, I, I really do too. Um, And it almost makes it seem more authentic. I think to your point, the North Face stuff seems so stale, even though it did follow a more simplistic approach. It did seem stale because it just seemed like something that was created outside of Instagram and then imported into Instagram. And then you're kind of left like okay you know you're right maybe this
0: yeah it doesn't feel personal it feels like okay this is like some corporate person there's not a real person behind this right so again that connection is lost
1: and it's also seeing the fonts that we see regularly regularly on instagram leads you to believe that there is a person behind this or it does have that personal touch because these are the fonts that we're all using so it makes warby parker seem in essence like one of us you know And, and i like that
0: we all speak the same language yeah, they get us. Right, right,
1: right. I like that.
0: All right. So let's talk about our new favorite app. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. We're testing the waters.
1: Yeah. I'm a big fan. Uh, so go ahead. You, you, you break it in.
0: Sure. So I first heard about this app through friends of the show, Shane Haggerty. He tweeted out, um, I forget who published this article. It may have been fast company, um, but the article was about this app that we love called Unfold, and it was about how because of the rise of Instagram Stories, this company's sole purpose is to create templates for Instagram Stories, which I thought was so cool that there is that much of a need for it, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm sure going forward there will be more of these companies and apps popping up, but. It's a really easy app to use and install. I would definitely recommend you guys going to the app store and playing around with it. I actually used it over Thanksgiving and put together a little story. I put my director's hat on and I said, I tried to follow my own advice and said like, okay, hey, how can I make this feel more like a an actual story that will be engaging? And I kind of just told the story of Um, that we had moved into our house two years ago, right before Thanksgiving, and kind of what unfolded after that. This is not a big dramatic story, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I I included some photos from the last two years and then included um, some stories from this Thanksgiving as well. And the cool part about it is you can include different shots into one um, frame and you can combine video and still image, which I think is really cool and engaging.
1: Yeah. My big thing of it outside of the simplicity of not only how it works, but also how it looks is that it looks different. I like, I like that it's different. Um, I, I think it's challenging on social at times from a design standpoint to do things the way, the way the platforms are built to do things, um, that stand out from a different point of view. Um, and this app, really allows you to do that your friends likely aren't using it um brands probably do i you you as i've started to use it more it, it's funny you can start to spot it's like canva graphics like after a while you'd be like that's a Canva graphic that's a you know you can start to kind of see you know that other other brands are using it but i really like that it's different um it has a a standout quality to it and it still allows you to incorporate um you know instagram fonts that are in there Um, it allows you to incorporate a lot of this you know all of your stickers all the things that you've gotten used to even though it's a separate app it allows you to upload your story directly to instagram or save your story um to your phone and then you can upload it to instagram so there's an extra step but it still has all of your favorites in it i I like that i really do i think it's a great app
0: and i'm excited even though I, i love this app i love this company and i hope that they have so much success in the future I'm excited to see rival companies come out because that only ever means great things for us.
1: If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media, tag us at pod4creatives and let us know which stood out to you.
0: Uh, I have a really big confession to make about my Christmas card. Ooh. So. You got juice?
1: You got juice?
0: You know how I did that whole episode about how I don't really like Paris?
1: Yeah, didn't really yeah. have
0: a good time. Yeah, uh, is oh, it God. is it really phony that I used a photo from Paris on my card and then took it a step further and put like a French phrase on it?
1: <laughs> yes, I think it is. I think I think that's very phony of you. Like if you were gonna go like. All in on this. It should have at least been like what Big Ben or, or or Buckingham Palace or whatever the hell else England has. Like, yeah, they have things. They yeah. have things. Yeah. Oh, so like, was this Eiffel Tower?
0: No, like we had professional photos taken while we were there. Right. And again, in 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 hindsight, knowing everything I know now, would have done them in London, but we had them taken in Paris. To be honest, I didn't, wasn't crazy about how any of the photos came out, but we kind of got like one good one out of it. So, like, this is the Christmas card, and it's it's in Paris. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with it, and I'm I'm giving all of our family and friends the impression that we had this magical time in Paris when only few knew what was going on behind the scenes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, this is funny now. So every time I look at this card, I was, I'm assuming I'm getting one. Of course. Um, Every time I look at this card, lies. I'm gonna think lies.
0: <laughs> I should have had like a put like a, the the real story on the back, like if someone thought to flip it over and, and read it, but
1: it would have been funny if the phrase you put on the card like translated to this city sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like who would like how many people in your in your in your mailing audience would actually know that? Yeah. I mean that would be like the ultimate burn, just like, you know.
0: It's all like a like a pretty smiley Card, but yeah.
1: But you really burn them a second time by just reinforcing in print how bad the city is. It
0: was a missed opportunity. Mm. Just, I had to get that off my chest.